Welcome to Urban Principal, leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com. And now here's your host, Brett Anderson. And welcome back to another podcast. We are on episode 168, season four, and this episode is Leaders Can Move Mountains, uh, about creating that culture of change and about change leadership. Um change is often hard and that's why leaders are selected for certain buildings and that's why they're put into positions to make changes and that old uh, paradigm of uh, having to do uh, change taking three to five years is something they uh, blow away recently in an article which I totally agree with uh, since I had the opportunity to work with a building uh, that had been stagnant for 14 plus years and uh, taking over as principal for a short amount of time. In five weeks, I made some major changes, and uh, that can be done if it's done the right way and um, done appropriately. You can make change and start moving a building the right direction uh, so that there needs to be more of a sense of urgency. So let's talk about that. Uh, In a recent educational leadership uh, March 2023 issue, uh, volume 80, number 6, uh, Educational Leadership about Leading Through Change. Uh, the whole uh, issue is about change, so I highly recommend it. Uh, there's an excellent article by Doug Reeves and Robert Eaker, uh, both excellent in the field of education. I have many books by Douglas Reeves, for sure. I know Robert Eaker's uh, in some of those as well. Um, and the article they shared was Getting More Urgent About Change Leadership, School leaders need to break with five-year plans, buy-in, and other hide-bound conventions on implementing change. And let's unpack this a little bit because a lot of it hit home with me and uh, matched some of the things that I believe and have done uh, throughout my career. Uh, let, Let me start sharing some of this. And like I said, you can read the entire article or this whole thing in its entirety in the March 2023 edition of Educational Leadership. Volume 80, number 6. It is time for change and change leadership. In this time when the world of schooling is finding its way after the pandemic's height, when schools need urgent change, many education systems remain stuck in the five-year time horizon of strategic plans. While schools face crisis, too many leaders remain paralyzed by the notion that change is impossible without buy-in from everyone involved. And that's extremely hard to get everyone involved Um, I've talked a lot on this show about creating ownership and empowering your staff and a lot of the things that help you to get buy-in along the way. We've uh, discussed this at an extent, I'm sure we have. Uh, Implementing needed changes at a too careful, too slow pace isn't the only problem. Many schools are trying to push too many changes simultaneously. So at a time when teachers and administrators need focus, Schools are inundated with initiative fatigue, for example. Uh, And then, for example, they say in reviewing more than 2,000 school plans, we found schools with dozens of priorities and districts with more than 100. uh, But schools with the greatest gains in achievement consistently had six or fewer priorities. So six or fewer priorities. So when you're thinking of strategic planning and school improvement, uh, keep that in mind six or fewer. Uh, And then they go on to talk about uh, the 
big change is needed. And change number one is leaders must accelerate the pace of change. And at the onset of this program, I talked about that and uh, said that there were changes that needed to be made in the building I was uh, filling in for a principal on. And they were extreme changes because they had had uh, such a rough number of years. And it was like, I've talked about this before, it was like putting the brakes on or throwing a wrench in the gears all of a sudden and bringing everything to a halt as I had a, uh, assemblies with students and training with adults and uh, put some incentives in place and started adding some positive behavior supports and some interventions into place that needed to be in place so that we had some avenues to work with kids. Uh, and those are things that can be done rather quickly. And, and this kind of in this case, it needed to happen right away. If you have the initiative to make the decisions and to, uh, as one of the teachers put it there, uh, she liked the way I came in and grabbed the bull by the horns and got to business, uh, right away, seeing what needed to be done. Um, that often needs to happen. Uh, let's read on on what he says about must accelerate the pace of change. In contrast to the traditional claims that change takes five to seven years, the evidence is that great things can be done in a hundred days. Reeves and Eaker, 2019. Uh, as you apply for different things, even a superintendent position, you end up giving a hundred day plans. I've had to write a hundred day plans before and uh, they have to write their outlook. It's like a uh, presidential candidate uh uh, giving this some a synopsis of what they plan to do uh, in their first reign or their first term. And that's similar to that. And he goes on to say that's a single semester in most schools, that 100 days. The writing of the United States Constitution handles Messiah and uh, Dostoevsky's The Gambler all happened in fewer than uh, 100 days. I'm sure I mispronounced that. Uh, perhaps more significantly, so did the major policy and legislative actions Franklin Delano Roosevelt took to rescue the nation from the Great Depression. We've seen schools reduced by more than 80%. The rate at which students fail courses dramatically improve attendance and behavior and increase in student engagement within 100 days. When people accept the five to seven years claim, it can be an excuse for institutional lethargy ah, and our children suffer from it okay so then they go on uh, talking about how you can do things faster and um, sometimes that is needed especially if it's been uh, stagnant for a long time and there has been no change and uh, nobody seems to be able to make a difference sometimes you need to get the ball rolling and create some momentum so to speak we often argue our point to school, district, and state-level leaders through this comparison. Imagine the school is on a five and is on fire, and children are in the building. Do you really need to have another meeting or study to decide whether to evacuate the building? Leaders need to take decisive action and say without equivocation, equivocation that this is what we will accomplish in the next hundred days. Uh, that used to be when I was in my first building as principal, the high poverty building, we had uh, action committees, and I do mean action committees because we decided at the meetings things that we were actually going to do, and then we made sure it got done. Uh, my neighborhood committee uh, and neighborhood group uh, with Weed and Seed 
involve federal agencies, police enforcement, uh, my neighborhood association, agencies that assisted our school. And when we planned, a part of our goal was making sure that action took place afterwards. So we did rallies, we did school events, and we did things to help our community and our staff and our people in the neighborhood and our kids. And it was all done very swiftly and done with action because you can meet and meet and never get anything done. And that is the problem sometimes with bureaucracy is uh, you don't get the things done you need to do. And as a principal within a building, you are at the level to get some things done as long as the district does not tie your hands. You're in a place where you can actually make things happen. Change number two is move away from buy-in to evidence-based commitment. Uh, let's see what he says about that. Most of One of the most persistent myths in change leadership is the assumption that buy-in from all staff members is essential before initiating change. Given the pers uh, pervasive learning gaps associated with global pandemic, with the global pandemic, there is a genuine crisis in schools. The resulting lack of skills and knowledge is leading to some of the lowest student achievement in two decades. For instance, on the 2022 National Assessment of Educational Progress, which we've talked about on the show, only one-third of fourth and eighth grade students were reading on grade level, and the results were even more dismal in mathematics. The high number of students ex experiencing struggle and failure is a time bomb that will soon explode into higher school dropout rates if educating, education leaders fail to take decisive steps to address the underlying learning gaps. Uh, then the jumping ahead a little bit, they say in conversations with school leaders, we continue to hear that implementing effective interventions is impossible without teacher buy-in. But the old model of change that depends upon buy-in has failed education leaders because it's based on the premise that belief precedes behavior. When the latest psychological evidence reveals that behavior precedes belief. Uh, Milkman 2021. This means that people should first implement a new practice, then observe the results. Only then will they support the practice. And I saw this as evidenced in my buildings, and that's why one of my main philosophies is allowing teachers to try new things without it counting against them. Uh, in my first building, we did that many times. The teachers knew my philosophy, and they knew they were able to try different things. I could give them the resources to try it, and then I wanted them to show me the data and prove that it actually worked or show me how it was affecting our, our scores or supplementing our curriculum in this way. <coughs> Excuse me. And I was able to have them prove it, and we were able to watch the data. And if something was working well, like when we tried Lucy Calkin writing with our young students, I could have uh, older uh, classrooms go visit the younger classrooms to see what they were doing. And when they saw what they were doing and how well it was working, and they saw that their writing was coming out higher level than theirs, uh, that the concept itself proved, uh, and it turned into the reality that I wanted. We had more people doing that and supplementing with the Lucy Calkin writing at that time. So, I mean, there are ways to use that to your advantage. Um, so uh, I want to read that piece again. So this means that people should first implement a new practice, then observe the results. Only then will they support the practice. So you're building support as they see the results and see how it works. And sometimes it has to be proven too. When we changed a bus, how we were doing our buses at our focus school, uh, we had 18 buses at once and we were doing them all in the gym and having students all go to the gym at once. And it was 
having them stay in lines and keeping them in order. And it took a lot of adults for supervision. We soon broke it into classrooms. So we had different buses in each classroom. I had people saying it wasn't going to work well. And as we started to do it, it was very calm. We'd call buses one at a time as needed to be. It, it lowered the number of students with a teacher, uh, lowered the number of supervisors uh, at once. Um, and it was a very effective practice and it became to be very efficient and got our kids on the buses quickly and more efficiently. But it was another concept that had to be proven and shown that it actually worked. And there's nothing wrong with that. You do that often with positive behavior intervention supports. You try different things and you evolve as a staff into what's working. And as you discuss things, you problem solve. Um, going on here, involving your staff, either the leader is not asking for true change or discussions about the proposed changes are happening out of the leader's earshots, earshot. So you'd rather involve your staff and you get everybody on board and get people in the conversations around some of the things that you're doing and you're trying and give them the rationale. Often I hear leaders not giving the rationale for why they're doing different things and why we need to try a certain thing. Uh, and building the background for it. Uh, let me read a little bit more from, uh, I've highlighted too much in here, but I want to read pieces of it. Simple changes like the ones made by a San Bernardino High School can have an immediate positive impact on student learning. Again, schools that have made just two changes, uh, that made just these two changes, adopting standards-based grading and eliminating traditional homework policies, have achieved dramatic reductions in their failure rates. The reason for their success was that teachers and administrators in a short period of time saw their colleagues implement new practices and achieve positive results. That's changing belief through behavior. Uh, at the focus school, we used standards-based learning, and we adopted that as our grades, and we had the autonomy to do so, and it worked extremely well. We're using true standards-based grading while the rest of the district was using partial standards-based, if I can say it like that. And they still had uh, uh, percentages that broke down into scores and so on. And eventually, when I uh, retired, I know the school actually had a principal that went back to the district's grading policy. So it moved away from that, which was so successful for us. And we saw homework as practice for our students, which changed the policy somewhat. Uh, and then they go on to say, um, uh, let's see, where did we leave off here? That's changing a belief through behavior. Yet many school leaders continue to tolerate toxic grading practices in inequitable homework policies and other methods of operating that get in the way of learning, especially post-pandemic, often because some faculty cling to familiar practices while leaders are waiting for buy-in and a generation of students will be lost. <coughs> Excuse me. Rather than asking for buy-in, we counsel leaders to ask teachers to undertake a fair experiment, proposing, for instance, let's see what happens when we do this for a set period. We have students practice in class rather than at the at home, or when we double the amount of time allocated to math instruction. Um, what happens? So I like this. I like this idea that they're talking about here. And that idea, like I said, of trying new things and then seeing what works. Now the change, the next change they say, change number three, is moving from fragmentation to focus. A common cause of failures of prom uh, prom promising reforms, especially in education, is that leaders try to do too many things at once. Doesn't that sound familiar if you're a principal and a leader? 
with the recent flood of federal dollars, it is not unusual to see new curriculum, uh, new curricula, new technology, new training, and multiple interventions all implemented at the same time. Um, uh, let's see, and they say initiative fatigue combined with poorly communicated changes, insufficient support, and unnecessary complexity undermines even the most logically sound change efforts. And that was Gusky 2021. No matter how much people believe in their multitasking prowess, the neuroscience is clear. Humans do not multitask but switch between tasks at a terrible cost to their cognition and sound decision making. Um, that was Harry 2022. The literature, literature is consistent that neither individuals nor organizations can effectively monitor and implement more than six priorities at once. There's that again. And remember Mike Schmoker, who I love Mike Schmoker's stuff uh, and his, his books on leadership and his books on change as well and changing the school system. And Schmoker talks about using the essentials and talks about the simplicity of uh, some of the things that the schools need to do to succeed. So that goes right along with Mike Schmoker. Um, and he would even probably say less than six priorities at once. Um, let me go on here. Um, he says in this, uh, describe the latest strategic, does this describe the latest strategic plan in your system? We burn leaders to a cinder and fail to implement even the best initiatives well. And that was Daisley in 2022. So moving with a sense of urgency, exceptional gains can happen in 100 days if leaders adopt the appropriate sense of urgency and abandon myths that stand in the way of effective change. Uh, and you can read that article in its entirety, like I said. Uh, the one thing I would stress still is as you go in as a leader, it still takes the right type of relational leader to be able to move a staff and to motivate a staff and to build the vision and to empower and develop collaboration. Uh, you may not need total buy-in, but you're still going to have to be able to do those things well and do it in a tactful way uh, to make those changes. So uh, like they said, their number one change was leaders must accelerate the pace of change. Their number two was move from buy-in to evidence-based commitment, uh, proving what works and letting people practice and letting them see that how the practice is working and changing that idea. And then the change number three was moving from fragmentation to focus. And remember they said narrowing your focus, uh, less than six priorities and making sure things happen. And I believe that is totally possible. I've done it in schools I've been in. I've done it in, as a consultant going into schools. And I think it's important that you can uh, do what you need to to move a school. And you may say policies and things don't allow you to do that. And I want to remind you of something uh, from a recent um, book by Michael Fullen. And now, of course, I can't find what I'm looking for. And that was in uh, Nuance, Why Some Leaders Succeed and Others Fail. Um, I have too many little post-its here and too many things that I mark in many of my books for things I want to share and things I... Uh, and I know, I know the gist of it, but I wanted to get to exact wording but I'm not finding it at the time ah here it is uh, talking about districts uh, giving you direction and so on and it says this fine dynamic between 
dynamic balance between too much direction and too little direction is why leadership for joint determination is called nuance. And that includes you at the building level. Uh, that fine dynamic between too much direction and too little direction. And I think that's important uh, piece as well as you develop, uh, develop your schools. So put in the right um, leaders in the first place. That's the main thing you can do. Monitor the results and adopt changes and still work for change with all of your staff. Uh, you may not need 100% buy-in to really make a difference if you allow staff to practice and try new things and and stop thinking in terms of years and narrowing that to six or fewer priorities, building an ownership and empowering your staff. Uh, all are things that can help you make that change possible and make changes that influence the whole staff and that culture and building a positive culture of change and that everybody can be a part of that change and then can learn from that change and adapt from that change are important pieces. And as we wrap up today, I'd like to finish with a quote. Uh, Leaders are responsible for creating an environment in which people feel they can be their best. And that is by Simon Sinek. So as always, keep promoting effective leadership through productive culture changes. And until next time, let's remember to stay positive. been listening to Urban Principle, leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAnderson Consulting.com.